0: Wow, what a a wonderful, wonderful presence of God in this place today. This is a time to receive from God, Time time for answers from the Lord to come into our lives, and I believe God is ready to do that. Father, in Jesus' name we come to you for your word. We come to you to receive your word, to be prepared to receive your word, to have the accepting spirit that we need to receive your word for the anointing to be upon our minds and upon our ears to receive your word which comes to us by hearing and hearing the word of God. To stand on your truth today because this is the guide for our lives. It's what we ask you to enable us to do. In the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, reveal to us things about your word today that we have not known. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 God doesn't measure in the calendar his days and months and years. It really doesn't matter to God that this is the last Sunday of what we call 2012. God didn't set up the calendar. He didn't name the months, and he didn't name the days. He didn't number the weeks. All time is the same to God. But it's significant for us in the culture that we live in that we mark certain occasions by the calendar and today we mark almost the end of the year and one more day we will close out 2012 and we will go into 2013. How many of you remember a year ago when I stood up here saying almost the same thing that I'm saying now and then I said 2012 will be the year of the Lord's favor. We put signs on the wall. We put it on our bulletin. We kept saying it. We preached it. We talked it. We believed it. God has given us favor. Many of you are here who were not here at that time. We count you as being a part of God's favor to us. And in 2013, I want to make an announcement to you about 2013. I want to tell you today in 2013 to expect miracles. Expect miracles. Not just expect a miracle, but expect miracles. And we're going to believe God for greater and mightier, more powerful things than we have ever received from Him before. Amen. And I want to share with you a message today that I have called When God Speaks. I'm going to say some things to prepare you and to lay a foundation for this message that I want you to clearly understand. I want you to understand that when I say God speaks to us, I am not talking about God coming in a cloud or a thunderclap or a lightning bolt and speaking in an audible voice that everybody in Orange Park can hear or even that just you can hear. I'm not suggesting that God doesn't speak to us in different and unique and such powerful ways as that. But I am telling you that that's not normally the way God speaks to his people. However, he does speak to us and we need to be able to recognize the voice of the Lord when he is telling us what he wants us to hear, and and when I say this morning, as I will through this message, that God spoke to me, I want to I want to make it clear to you, I'm not proclaiming anything unusual about me. I'm not saying that I'm somebody God talks to and He doesn't talk to anybody else. I, I I I I I I'm going to put it this way. i I'm, I'm going to put it. I'm going to say, as I go through this message this morning, I'm going to say, I believe God has said. I do not posture to you the idea that I could not be wrong about thinking God said something. Well, I think you could be as wrong as I could be. But I am going to say that we, if we don't expect God to speak to us, we will never hear from him. If we don't recognize God's voice, we won't know when he does speak to us. And so we have to draw near to the Lord and get in the position that we can hear God's message to us. We don't need to hear God in the terms of our own culture. But sometimes we must. We need to clearly, clearly if, if God has a message for us, when God has a message for us, we need to be able to receive that in the terms of God's Word and on the basis of the way God's Word speaks to us. It will never be contrary to anything that's said in this Bible. Anything God, if, you, if God tells you something and you think he's told you something and it doesn't match up with this, you're wrong. Not God's wrong. It's not God talking to you. <laughs> it's got to match up with this. But we do hear sometimes, you know, we, we, we expect people to understand things that we say when they don't really have a basis to say. If you say to some people, are you saved? Well, they want to know, what do you mean am I saved? Saved from what? Well, did you know Jesus died? No, I didn't even know he'd been sick. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds facetious, but there are people who are that shallow And that lacking in knowledge, it's true. I will give you an example of it. A good friend of mine, his name was Kenneth Ware. He was a missionary. He's gone to be with the Lord. But he was a missionary to France and really to Europe. He was more European than he was American because uh, his father was American, his mother was French. He was born in France, but he had dual citizenship. So... He was a member of the Assemblies of God Foreign Missions Department, and, and I pastored churches that supported him for a number of years. And I went to Paris and visited with him, and had a great relationship with him. He told me a lot of things, but uh, that impressed me. One of the things he told me was, when he first when he first got saved, as soon as he was saved, he knew he was called to preach, and he went. He didn't know anything. He now he had no knowledge of anything because he had just come out of no knowledge, not a Christian background. But he knew God wanted him to preach. So, he went and talked to some people, leaders that he thought would help him understand what to do, how to go about it. And he went to someone that he had a lot of respect for, some preacher, leader, and he said, God's called me to preach, what should I do? And the man said, well, you need to start in Jerusalem first. Now, we know what that means, because you see, Jesus told the disciples, you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, when we use that terminology, we're talking about if you're right here and you get saved right here and you want to know where to start, we say start in Jerusalem. We mean start right here in Orange Park. Start right here in Clay County and then get larger. That's what we mean. And we know what we mean. But if you said that to somebody who doesn't know what you mean, what would he think? He'd think you're supposed to start in Jerusalem. And so Kenneth Ware, a young man in his teens, got a ticket to Jerusalem. This is true. He got a ticket to Jerusalem because that he wanted to preach and he was told he was supposed to start in Jerusalem. <laughs> so, so he went to Jerusalem and the first sermon he ever preached was on the street corner in the city of Jerusalem <laughs> in Israel. Now you say, well that's ignorance. No, it's not. it, it may be ignorance of in, in, not in a pejorative way but in that it's a lack of knowledge. The ignorance is on the part of the person who told him that. <laughs> thinking that he's supposed to understand because he took it exactly like the man told him. Well, if you're called to preach, you should start in Jerusalem. So he believed it, and he went to Jerusalem to start his ministry. Kenneth Ware was a, was a uh, I, I, one day I think I ought to take the time to say this, I ought to preach a sermon titled, This is My Friend Ken- Kenneth Ware. I can tell you some things that he told us, and I believe every, every one of them. Uh, that, but, but I'll go on. I just want to tell you that for right now. <laughs> but God speaks to us and 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 God w- was speaking to Kenneth, but he was telling him to preach, but God wasn't telling him to go to Jerusalem, although it makes a wonderful story after all these years, even <laughs> to tell it. God wasn't telling. He went there mistakenly, but God honored and blessed him for it anyway. He became a great soldier of the cross and a great missionary and did a mighty work from God. for God. And if you heard years ago about the great revival among the gypsies that spread throughout all of Europe, like in a mighty flaming fire among the gypsies, Kenneth Ware was one of the key instruments in that revival among the gypsies in Europe. So, so, uh, so he, <laughs> so he went to Jerusalem. So, but, but you know, there are times when God speaks to us and, and, and we, re- we declare it. I've done it. I've declared what God has said to me sometimes with trepidation and trembling. And I'll give you an example of it. In May of 2011, May of 2011, that's right. Okay, a little over a year and a half ago. I got up one Sunday morning finalizing my sermon, going over it, and, and and I just felt God's spirit just overwhelmed me. I fell on my knees and started weeping and crying and speaking in tongues and reaching out to God. And God spoke to my heart and said to me, your long, dark night is over. And he also said, the sun, and I saw the image of Jesus, not the not the shining sun, daily sun, but the Son of God. The sun is shining on you now. Well, I drove in that morning with my message ready to preach, and the closer I got to Orange Park, the more I knew I couldn't preach what I had. I had to say what God had given me, and that was, your long dark night is over. Now, in May of 2011, that might have even been Mother's Day, I remember it was something I was supposed to preach on something else, and I didn't. It was in May of 11. How many of you were attending here in May of 2011 and heard the first time I preached that message? Raise your hand. Well, quite a few, but not many. (laughs) And I will tell you, that morning, that morning, when I said your long dark night is over, the the past of this church is past. God's getting ready to do something here and moving forward with greater things than we've seen. and, And the message is on the Internet if you want to go hear it again. And, and, uh, and, and I declared that, I, I declared it based on what God spoke to me, what, what I believe was prophecy. Well, you're here, most of you are here as a testimony to that's true. Because when I preached that and what great things God was going to do, there was just a little handful of people here. Just a little handful. There's not a big huge crowd here today, but there's many, 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 many more than there were then. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that in the days to come, there are going to be many, many, many more, more than there are now. I believe that's what God is telling us about expect miracles in 2013. Just one of the things, one of the many things that God is going to do. Later on, I don't know, I don't remember what time this was. I remember that was May of 2011. Sometime a few months after that, I reprised that message And use that to talk about And I took some things out of that message and played them back over the sound system as a reminder of what I had said first talking about that and showed you how what God was saying was coming true. You see, we we want to verify and validate God's Word when God speaks to us. And my message this morning is when God speaks. And listen, friends, when God speaks, what He says is going to happen. Now, if it's God... And what God is saying, it's going to happen. I believe, this is what I told you moments ago, I believe God has said. Let me tell you about this. Early one morning, even, even early for me, I, I got up, and, I, I, and as soon as I woke up, the first thing I thought of was, he addeth no sorrow. Now, I knew that was in the Bible. I knew it was a verse in the Bible. I thought it was around Psalms or Proverbs somewhere, but I didn't remember exactly where. And I couldn't remember the rest of the verse. All I could think of was, he addeth no sorrow. I got up and I I made coffee, and I kept on thinking the same thing, he addeth no sorrow. I kept racking my brain trying to remember the rest of the verse, but I couldn't. If I had, I would have remembered in the, in the King James Version. And uh, that wasn't what God wanted me to hear. So I kept, all I could think of was that I, it must have gone on for an hour. He addeth no sorrow. And finally, I decided I need to look up that verse. Now, it took me an, about an hour to come to that realization. I know some of you are a lot more spiritually perceptive than I am, and you would have gone and done it a whole lot sooner. You're wondering why'd you wait an hour? <laughs> i would be honest with you, I didn't really know it was God talking to me. I just thought I was thinking about it. Then I got to thinking, why am I thinking about this? Why does it stay with me? Why? why? So I, I thought, well, at least I'll find out what the verse says. So I went, I went to the Bible, and normally when I look up things that I remember like that, I always look them up in the King James, because everything that I've remembered or memorized virtually is, is, is memorized in the King James Version. So normally I do this morning, however, when I got on my computer and went to look for it, somehow I had the NIV up, and that's the version it looked it up in. And so when it came to that verse, Proverbs 10.22, I read it, and this is what the verse says. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. The blessings of the Lord brings wealth. And he added those sorrow without painful toil for it. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And I thought, well, God, are you telling me you're going to make me rich again? I thought about it. I prayed about it. I prayed about it this week. Went back and looked at that, and I prayed about it this week. And this, is, I believe, is a message of God to our church. Now listen carefully to me. I am giving you a word of God for this church, I believe. I believe God has said for this church that the blessing of the Lord upon us brings wealth without painful toil, without hard labor for it. Now, why would God say something like that to us? I don't want you to get overly excited It doesn't mean at the end of this year we're going to have a $10,000 check for every member. Don't rush to join because of that. We're not going to do that. (laughs) But God is saying that He wants wealth to come to this church. Why? I will tell you why I believe. First of all, because we're honest, We we live with integrity and by principles of God's word. And when you give in this church, we're transparent to tell you this is what happens. We don't come out and put our report every week and tell you this is what we wrote checks for. That would be foolish and, and, and non-productive. But the point is we're not secretive about anything. are not hiding anything. I was told uh, shortly after I came here that special offerings had been given for certain people and certain causes and were, ne- and were not given to the people. And I said, well, What did they do with it then? Well, they just put it in the general treasury and used it for the church. (laughs) I can't do that. I can't do that and stand up here and face you and tell you that we do what we say we do, that 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 we are honest and that we act with integrity. I'm not criticizing somebody else when I say this. I'm talking about what we can't do. We've got to live with integrity before God if we're going to be blessed of God. So if you come in here and you put in a $100 check and you want us to forward it on to, uh, uh, to what? Uh, want us to forward it on to Sun Young Moon. Who He died, I guess, but he still got. you want us to forward, forward it on to some wild, crazy place that we won't support, we'll give it back to you. We're not going to send it for through this church to somebody that's not doing the work of God and that we know is not doing the work of God. So don't misunderstand me but we'll give it back to you. We won't use it for something else. But if you give something to a cause, whether it's the Assemblies of God or not, that we can support and that we believe in, that we know is true and accurate to the Word, then we'll send it on to where you give it. Does that sound like what we ought to do? I think it's what we ought to do. And the other thing is, we decided some time back that we're going to give 10% of all the tithes and offerings that come into missions. We do. One of the exciting things that I get to do this week, one of my, this is a highlight of the month for me. After the last Sunday of the month, I get to sign a check for missions, say these are the missionaries that we're supporting and send out a check because you gave. And we take at least 10% of all the tithes and offerings that come in here and we give it to missions. And you say, well, pastor, don't we need that money here? Yeah, we needed that and a lot more. But you see, what we've learned is the way to get is to give. If I preach that to you, I've got to practice it myself personally. And if I preach that to you, I believe our church ought to practice that. I'd love to see us come to the place that we have the ability to give 90% of what comes in here to missions and live on the 10%. I don't know when God may do that, but I do know this. I believe God has said that there is wealth. The blessing of the Lord upon this church brings wealth. And God is planning to do that. It's in his economy for us. It's not because we're after money. We're after the blessings of God. The Apostle Paul made it very clear when he taught the people about giving that he was not asking for a gift for himself. I'm teaching you this so that you can be blessed, he said. And that's why we give. To honor God, to build his kingdom, and let God take care of us and bless us as a result of it. So... This is, uh, this is an interesting interesting concept I just share with you in light of what I just said. There's another scripture. It actually is, Prover- what I just gave you is Proverbs 10.22. This one is Proverbs 13.22. And in that verse, the Lord says, the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So where's God going to get all that wealth he's going to give to us? He's going to get it from people who don't know what to do with it. He's going to take the sinner's wealth and give it to the righteous. I believe God has said that because that's what his word says and that's what I interpret it to be in this time for us. The next thing I want to tell you that I believe God has said is that you are in my hands and I will take care of you. I came to the Lord, I have the dates. it doesn't matter what the dates were. I came to the Lord, I bowed before the Lord. I, cry, I was crying out to God, I, I, crying out for our church. We pray daily, regularly, consistently for this church, for you in this church. You, many of you would not realize how many times your names get called before the Lord. God will sometimes just see, uh, just allow us to see people sitting. Here, and pray for them by, on and on and just pray for people who 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 have been here, maybe not the just, just are known to be here, and pray for them for God's hand and favor and blessings. And we pray for this church for God to pour out his spirit, to give us a mighty deluge of his anointing and power that will bring us to the place that he wants us to be. And 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 one day in praying before the Lord, I I felt. That I heard the Lord say to me, I believe, God said, you are in my hands and I will take care of you. Two times, five days apart, I thought and believed that I heard the same thing. I say to this church this morning, we are in God's hands. We are in God's hands. (laughs) How are we going to do this? I don't know. We're in God's hands. What is going to happen? I don't know. But we're in God's hands. Pastor, are you worried about this? To be honest with you, sometimes I may get a little bit worried about some things, but then I get the answer you're in God's hands. You're in God's hands doesn't matter if you had a heart attack yesterday, if you never had a heart problem, who knows when you're going to go out to meet the Lord. You're just a subject to go as the person that's the sickest one here. But here's the good thing about it. It doesn't matter because we're in God's hands. (laughs) It doesn't matter because we're in God's hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you worry about that issue that you have and God will help you to get over that worry till you come to the place that you realize I can't do anything about this, but I'm with one who can do something about it and it's not the pastor and it's not the church. It's God Almighty. I'm in God's hands and God can take care of it. Hallelujah. 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 i tell you, my friends, I believe there's favor in your future. Favor from God is still coming, still being showered, still being poured upon us because we are in God's hands. And I'll ask you this, where would you rather be? (laughs) Can you think of any place you'd rather be? I can't think of any place I'd rather be. Even if it is living by faith, even if it is walking by faith, even if it is the journey of faith, I want to be in God's hands. Even if it does mean I have to see the invisible. But I do know this. God can give us a sight that sees the invisible, that sees the reality of the power of God, the invincibility, the instructability of what God is able to do. And when God builds the house, that house stands, hallelujah. When God builds the house, that house stands because God builds it on the solid foundation, the cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And upon that foundation, nothing that's built can fail or fall. We're in God's hands. We're in God's hands. Hallelujah. There's a a great old song that, uh, that, that we have sung. I know some of you are going to be slipping out here momentarily. Uh, we have, not, not you, people know who, who I'm talking about. <laughs> the ones who are being baptized, we're baptizing four candidates this morning. We're baptizing four people right at the close of the service. And, and they're going to slip out in a couple of minutes and get back there and be ready for the baptism just shortly in a couple of minutes just to let you know what's happening. So there's a great old song that uh, that uh, you've some of you some of you hear me talk about old songs, and you and then I tell you about them, or you hear them song, sung, and you say, "Well, oh, I never heard that." You, if if I didn't tell you, you think it's brand new. Somebody just wrote it, and you would say, "Oh, what a wonderful new song that is! Let's start singing it in our that church." That's what you'd be saying. I've already told you now, this is an old song. I used to go when I was an evangelist. I went to a certain church to preach. I was blessed. A lot of times I went to churches to preach, and they had me back. A lot of churches had me back several times. Some churches I would go to every year. And this one church in South Carolina, just out in the edge of Anderson, South Carolina, I went to... Several times. I preached revivals in it several times. And at the end of every revival, on the last night of the revival, they would have me come down and stand in the front. And by that time on the last, it was usually on a Sunday night that we closed. There'd be, you know, quite a number of people there. It was probably a church about this size. Maybe it's slightly larger. And it would be it would be quite full. And uh, And the pastor would say, now, we want to... We want everybody to wish Brother Billy Godspeed. <laughs> and we want you to come up and uh, and shake hands with him and tell him you pray for him until the next time he comes back. And they would start that profession. And there was always two songs that they sang, one of two songs they always sang in that center. One of them was a blessed be the tie that binds. Our Hearts and Christian Love, The Fellowship of Kindred Minds is that, like to that above. They sang that one. And another one that they sang is this one that I was just referring to. It's entitled, God Will Take Care of You. And they would sing that song and people would march down, come by the front and shake hands and hug me and tell me, we'll, we'll see you next year. If, if Jesus tarries, we'll see you next year. It was precious. It, it was precious. It was it was wonderful. And I share that song with you this morning because I'm talking to you right now about being in the hands of God. And that I don't know any other place you could possibly be than in the hands of God. Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love, abide, God will take care of you. Through days of toil, when heart doth fail, God will take care of you. When dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. All you may need, he will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his breast, God will take care of you. And the chorus says, God will take care of you. Through every day or all the way, he will take care of you. God will take care of you. And He will because we're in His hands. We're in God's hands. I believe, I believe God has said that this church is in His hands. The people of this church are in His hands. God is holding us, holding us, holding us, hallelujah. And holding us He will not let go. Glory to God, hallelujah. I know some people think, well, every time they make some mistake or some little misstep, they've just lost out with God and fallen away from God. Listen, I'm not saying you can't turn away from God, but I'm going to tell you it's not that easy. When you think you're getting away, he's still holding on to you. And when you think you've let go, your hand is, you you just let go and you can't hold on anymore. He's still holding on to you. He's still holding on to you. When your hand gets so weak and so limp you can't hold on, He's still holding on to you. Hallelujah. He will not let you go. You may even fight and struggle to pull away. He's still holding on to you. Because we're in God's hands. And we're in God's hands for His protection, His blessing, for His glory, for His answers to prayer. And my friends, you have a right to expect miracles because you're in God's hands. And God is the miracle worker, hallelujah. And if you need a miracle, God has the miracle you need. Listen to that. If you need a miracle i'm not I'm not just talking to somebody else now. I'm talking to you. If you need a miracle, God has the miracle you need. You believe it? you believe it? Hallelujah. I'm totally convinced that God has everything, all that we need today from him. And I'm not going to let the devil steal it from me. I'm not going to let him take it away from me. If God will hold on to me, I'm going to hold on to him. We're going to march to victory together. We're in God's hands. Hallelujah. I believe I've heard God say we are in his hands. Baptism is a wonderful experience. I'm segueing now into something else that we're going to do. (laughs) Baptism is a wonderful experience. I've explained to the people who are being baptized today, it's a symbolic thing. Baptism does not save us. Baptism is the outward testimony that we've been saved. When we take someone in baptism and we take them under the water, it is death to sin. It is is the physical testimony that I have died to sin as Jesus died on the cross for sin. And then, bringing them up from the water and we always bring them up. <laughs> I always tell everybody, don't worry about it. if we're strong enough to put you down, we're strong enough to bring you up. When they come up from the water it's to walk in newness of life. It's the testimony, I'm walking in the resurrection. I'm walking in the living power of God. I'm walking in the resurrection and they've come out come out to walk in newness of life. That's the testimony of water baptism.